Welcome to the Bradenville Church of Christ podcast. We are a family of believers striving to be the first century church in the 21st century. We're located at 285 Church Street in Bradenville, Missouri. Please join us for Bible study Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. with worship to follow at 11 a.m. Wednesday night Bible study is at 7 p.m. Now, please enjoy our lesson. Good morning. We're glad that you join us again this morning. As you can see, we're at the, on the back porch because of COVID, but we're sure glad that you're with us. We're going to start with some kids sing songs. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. One, two, three, Jesus loves me. One, two, Jesus loves you. Three and four, he loves you more, more than you've ever been loved before. Five, six, seven, we're going to heaven. Eight, nine, Jesus is mine. Now we've sung it up to ten. Let's go back and sing it again. One, two, three, Jesus loves me. One, two, Jesus loves you. Three and four, he loves you more, more than you've ever been loved before. Five, six, seven, we're going to heaven. Eight, nine, Jesus is mine. Now we've sung it up to ten. We don't have time to sing it again, but... One, two, three, Jesus loves me. One, two, Jesus loves you. Let's see, how about, oh, here's a good one. There's a sea of Galilee. There's a sea of Galilee. There's a sea, there's a sea. There's a sea of Galilee. And there's a boat on the sea of Galilee. There's a boat on the sea of Galilee. There's a boat, there's a boat, there's a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and there are men in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. There are men in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. There are men, there are men, there are men in the boat on the Sea of Galilee, and there are hands on the men in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. There are hands on the men in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. Their hands, their hands, their hands on the men in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. And there are nets in the hands of the men in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. There are nets in the hands of the men in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. There are nets, there are nets, there are nets in the hands of the men in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. And there are fish in the nets in the hands of the men in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. There are fish in the nets in the hands of the men in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. There are fish, there are fish, there are fish in the nets in the hands of the men in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. And there are many fish in the nets in the hands of the men in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. There are many fish in the nets in the hands of the men in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. There are many fish, there are many fish, there are many fish in the nets in the hands of the men in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. <coughs> I got my men and my boats mixed up there on that one. Sorry about that. We're going to sing <coughs> number... Uh, gonna... Next song will be number 852. 
when the roll is called up yonder. 8.52. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, the time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair. When the saint of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Let us labor for the Sweet hour of prayer. <coughs> Sweet hour of prayer. <clears throat> Sweet hour of Pretty 
And gracious and glorious Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day and the opportunity we have to gather together here, sing these songs of praise to you and, and glorify your name through the study of your word. We thank you for the red letters of Jesus and the lessons that they teach us. We thank you for the opportunities you give us to study them. And we pray our bless, your blessing upon us as we study them today, that they will uh, touch our hearts, that they'll uh, inspire our lives to live lives closer to you and to uh, understand that you love us and you love us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross. We thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Something I've forgotten to do over the last couple of weeks, but I want to encourage you to do is to get into the <coughs> word, into the, in the word, and to study the word on uh, study God's word on a daily basis. So I'm going to go ahead and ask, and you can reply back if you want to on the comments. How many daily Bible readers do we have this week? We're counting four days, and so if you got four days of Bible reading, go ahead and re reply back in some way, and we'll uh, we'll count those up. But we're sure glad to to uh, have the opportunity to get into God's word. Have you ever thought about prayer? And the, the great blessing that it is. Sometimes we may take the blessings of life that God gives us for granted, and and prayer may be one of those blessings. We're gonna we're gonna dive into the red letters today, and we're gonna see what Jesus says about prayer and what He taught His disciples about prayer, because it's important for us to understand that prayer is a blessing that comes from God. You think about the fact that the all-powerful, eternal creator of the universe gave mankind a way that we can communicate with him, that we can bring our cares and concerns and lay them at his feet. What a wonderful concept that is. What a wonderful idea. But it's not just a concept. It's a, it's a fact of spiritual life that we have the ability to come and to pray to God. You look at the, the, the history of mankind, and man from the very beginning has been a man who's communicated with God. You think about Adam and Eve in the garden and how they talked with God directly the Bible gives us the impression that God made a habit of coming down and walking with man in the cool of the evening in the garden. What a wonderful blessing that we've been to be able to have interacted with God in that way. But even in the days of Seth and of his sons, there were men who called on the name of the Lord, that they, they, they lived lives that were in tune with the will of God. And one of those aspects of living a life in tune with the will of God was that they communicated with God. When we get to the life of Abraham, we see that Abraham was a man that prayed to God, and uh, we see on occasions where he prayed for others uh, to God on their behalf. And so prayer has been a part of the, of the faithful to God of their, of their life from the very beginning. But sometimes we may not always be confident in our prayers. We may not, sometimes we may not know how to pray. We may not understand the, uh, the, the necessity of prayer and the mode of prayer and the motivation of prayer and today in, in, in our lesson, we're going to see that Jesus' disciples wrestled with that. If you're going to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, we're going to see an example and a lesson that Jesus is going to teach on the importance and the motivation of prayer. And this is going to be the first part of a, of a multi-lesson uh, uh, series on the importance of prayer from the red letters of Jesus. But you'll notice in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the disciples, as they're talking with Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Wouldn't it be great for us to be able to sit at Jesus' feet and have him teach us to pray? Not just how to pray, but to give us the motivation to pray. That's what we're going to see today from the lesson that Jesus is going to give his disciples, and by extension, then, us, the motivation of prayer. And next week, we're going to talk about how to pray. Jesus is going to give them instructions on how that we communicate with God. <clears throat> 
Well, let's look at this and think about what it would be like to sit at Jesus' feet and to, to uh, ask the question, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, before we dive into this, I want to think about prayer in the life of Jesus. <clears throat> prayer was an important part of Jesus, not just his ministry, but his life. You remember whenever he went into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, and he was out there for 40 days and for 40 nights fasting. And the Bible tells us that he was engaged in communication with the Lord. He was praying there to the Lord. Um, on several occasions, we read about Jesus praying, uh, sending his disciples away so that he'd go into a deserted place and pray. And sometimes he spent all night in prayer. And that illustrates to us the importance and the urgency and the, the, um, the power of prayer in Jesus' life. If you have the Son of God come to earth in, in flesh willing to submit himself to prayer, it shows us that it ought to be an important aspect of our life. But Jesus didn't just pray alone. He didn't just go off into deserted places and pray by himself. He prayed in the presence of his disciples. He prayed with them and he prayed for them. We go to John chapter 17 and we see Jesus praying to God the Father for his disciples. And he did that there in the presence of the disciples. And it was primarily communication to God, but it's also an illustration to his disciples of the necessity of prayer. And so we come to Luke 11, and we see the context in which this lesson takes place. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. The first example that we see here is that Jesus prayed with and in the presence of his disciples. That shows us that that was an important thing for him. And notice the, the respect that the disciples had for prayer. As Jesus is praying, they're not interrupting him in the middle of the prayer. They waited till he was done, and then they came and they asked him the question. Or they asked him to, to teach them. And, and notice here that they wanted to be taught as John had taught his disciples. Now, we have no record in the Bible of John actually teaching his disciples to pray. But we know from this passage that John did teach his disciples to pray. And we also know that Andrew... And maybe some of the other apostles were disciples of John, and so they might have been in the company of John whenever he was teaching his disciples to pray. But nevertheless, the <laughs> disciples here asked Jesus a question. And so in verse 2, he gives them a model prayer. He says, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus gives them a, a simple model here for prayer. And next week we're going to dive into the how of prayer. So we'll talk more about the prayer itself here and how we are to pray. But the thing I want us to notice next is Jesus is going to give them the motivation to pray. Let me ask you this question. Why do you pray? Is it simply a ritual that we go through? Is it habitual? Or is it something that has meaning to us each and every time that we pray? I can tell you that in my life I haven't always been, and I'm still learning to develop, first of all, the habit of prayer. But to get into the motivation of prayer, why do we pray? What would be the importance of prayer? Jesus is going to teach his disciples here why God wants us to pray. And he's going to give it to them in, first of all, a parable. And then he's going to, he's going to accentuate that parable with a, a lesson that we need to write into our hearts and firmly grasp hold of. Look at verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you having a friend 
and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as much as he needs. Now remember, a parable is a physical situation that lies alongside a spiritual truth. And Jesus here gives them a story that they can relate to in, in the context of prayer. Notice some characteristics about this. First off, this is, a, this is a situation that takes place between friends. This is a friendly relationship. That's important for us to remember when it comes to prayer. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. <clears throat> but you have a friend that you're going to, and he goes to him at midnight. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you, if something happens in the middle of the night or, or a situation arises, would you pause before you call that person? One of the things that we see in a, in a friendly relationship, and in, in fact in a, in a close friend relationship, is that you don't you don't hesitate to call in a situation like that. This is a, in, in essence, you might say this is a shameless request because this man is not ashamed to call his, to call on his friend in the middle of the night at midnight when the when he it's, he knows that the man's asleep, he knows he's already gone to bed, he knows he's shut the door, and yet he goes to him in the middle of the night and he knocks on the door, and he says to him, friend. Lend me three loaves. Now, it it might be you know from a from a reasonability standpoint, we might say, well, okay, it sounds reasonable to ask for one loaf, but then to come and say, hey, I want you to lend me three loaves of bread. There's a there's a, uh, a uh, there's a humility that comes in this request because it's a significant request. This is a request that's made uh, to a friend of a significant nature. That's not trivial. It's not it's not menial. But it's something that has uh, great importance to it. And here's why. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. The, the, the last thing we see about this situation is it's selfless. This man wasn't coming at midnight to ask so he could have some food so he could feed himself. He has a situation where a person is relying on him for, 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 uh, for, for shelter, and also for food, and he's come to ask for something for somebody else. And so when we think about prayer, is our prayer shameless? And I mean it from this, we'll see this from this point. Are we willing to bring anything and everything to the Lord? Are we willing to do it in the most immediate situations? Are we willing, not just in the daytime, but at midnight, are we willing to bring our cares and concerns? Is It's significant. Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't care about the, ins the the little things in our lives, maybe what we might consider insignificant, but are we ready and willing and able to bring the big things to God in the situation, in the, in the time in which they are needed? Is it something that we are, are, are bringing just because we want it ourselves? Is it selfish or is it selfless? Is it something that will not only bless our lives but be a blessing to other people? And, in, and most importantly, do we approach God as, as we might approach a friend? Oftentimes we see people in the world that see God as an enemy. They see God as, a, as the, you know, you've probably heard this before, as the man upstairs or as a person, as a, as a, as a begrudging um, master or as a, a, a power that punishes people. But Jesus sets the context of this story in the setting of friendship and here's how a friend doesn't answer. He doesn't say, don't trouble me. 
The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. That's, Jesus says that's not how a friend answers. And you know that. We know that from our own personal experiences. If we have somebody who is a friend that comes to us and that, we're going to respond to them. We're going to, we're going to try to help them the best way possible. But Jesus says this, I say to you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as much as he needs. It could have been that he needed more than three loaves of bread. It could have been that he just asked for three because he thought that was all he needed to get by on, and this man could have given him more. But there's an important point to draw out of this. Jesus says in the physical relationships that we have here on this earth, we may respond to people simply out of persistence. But you know, God doesn't respond to us that way. God's, God's desire for our persistence is not because He wants us to wear Him down in prayer. God desires us to be persistent in prayer because it pleases Him to know that we are trusting in Him. Listen to what Matthew Henry says about this situation. He says, We prevail with men by importunity or persistence because they are displeased with it. And that's what he says there. This man, the friend, got up because it would. he got tired of listening to the friend knocking at the door. And sometimes that's how men respond to each other. But he goes on to say this, but with God, because he is pleased with it. God wants us to bring our cares and concerns to him on a persistent basis. He wants us to be persistent in our prayers to him. How do we know that? Because if we just stop there and we read that that parable, we might get from it the context that our prayers wear God out. Thankfully, Jesus continues on with a passage that many people take great comfort from. Look at verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. How do we know that God wants us to be persistent in prayer? What's our motivation for praying? God wants us to ask. He wants us to seek. Now notice there's a difference between asking and seeking. Asking is something that we do to basically to, to, to find the benefit from somebody, to their knowledge or their or the resources that they have. But sometimes we have to seek. Sometimes we have to be persistent in the pursuit of prayer and of God's will and of God's answer to prayers. <clears throat> One of the things that I found in my life, and hopefully hopefully you've seen in your life, is sometimes the an God's answer to prayer is me. I pray for something. I pray for, for somebody to be helped or we pray for, for a situation to be resolved. And the answer to the prayer is God working through me or encouraging me or strengthening me or giving me the knowledge and wisdom to be able to answer the prayer, to, to, to respond to the prayer. God wants us to be not only to ask, but to seek, to be diligent in it, and to knock. And that takes our mind back to the parable of the, of the friend. He was willing to go to his friend at midnight and to knock at the door. God doesn't want us to hesitate. He doesn't want us to be hesitant to knock on his door, to come humbly to his throne of grace in time of need that we might find grace. That's what God wants from us. And when we do that, what's going to be the result? If we ask, we're going to receive. 
If we seek, we're going to find. And if we knock, it will be opened to us. God is going to bless us in our persistent prayers. So now we start to develop in this motivation of prayer. God wants us to be persistent. God wants us to come in prayer. So our motivation then is to please Him. Please Him in every aspect of our life. But in prayer, it is to be persistent in it. Jesus then gives another, another example here to help us understand not only the persistence of prayer, but the, the answer that God gives prayer. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? And so, fathers, you think about that. If your son came to you and said, Dad, I need some food. I need bread. How many of you go out to the backyard and you pick up a stone and give to him? Jesus said, that's, that's ridiculous. Nobody would do that. Nobody, if they had a son and he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent instead of a fish. We understand that, don't we? And yet, maybe we might approach God that way. We're afraid to ask God because we're afraid He might give us something different than what we asked for. We're afraid that He might respond to our prayers in a way that we're not prepared. Now, there are times when God will respond to, to mankind's prayers with a, in a way that maybe they're not... Um, maybe it's not in their best interest. Can you think of a time whenever a prayer was offered to God and the answer was no? Think about the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus prayed to the Father. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. We're going to spend more time in future lessons talking about that specific prayer. But it shows us that sometimes God's answer is no. But he still wants us to ask. He still wants us to come to him and to seek him. And he's going to give us what's best. He's not going to, when we ask for bread, he's not going to give us a stone. When we ask for a fish, he's not going to give us a serpent. Or if he asks for egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Jesus here three times, he gives the example of how a, an earthly father would respond to their son. And then he compares the earthly father to our heavenly father. If you then being evil or, you know, physical nature, susceptible to sin, if we have the opportunity to, to do these bad things, but we're still going to go. If you're evil and you know how to give gifts to, give gifts to your Give good gifts, sorry about that, to your children. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now notice specifically here the gift that Jesus mentioned. He says that God will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. What does that mean? It means that God's gifts are more glorious. They're, they're more grand. They're more supreme than any gifts that we're going to give. You and I can't give the Holy Spirit to each other. We can't. That's not our gift to give. But God gives us the gift of, of His Spirit. He gives us the gift of the knowledge of the Word. He gives us the gift of, of, of the grace that comes through the Holy Spirit. And He's willing to give that to those who ask of Him. So what about you and I? What is, does this lesson, does this example that Jesus gave have any, have any relevance to us? Well, does the Bible teach us that we need to pray? I mean, we can think about many verses through, throughout the Bible, throughout the New Testament, where the example is given and even the command is given for us to pray. 1 Thessalonians chapter, chapter 5, verse 17. Pray without what? Ceasing. What does that mean? Be persistent in prayer. 
Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. The principles that Jesus teaches are the motivation for prayer is the same for us today as it was for his disciples. We've got to be uh, persistent in our prayers. We've got to be shameless in our prayers. We've got to, we've got to pray for, for the significant things as well as the insignificant. And we have to, we have to be selfless in our prayers, unselfish in our prayers. We have to be willing to, to come to God in humility and ask Him for help. How's your prayer life? That's an important question for each one of us to ask ourselves. How is, how is my prayer life? Do I, do I, have I written into my heart these principles? If we could truly wrap our minds around and truly believe that God wants us to pray for Him, do you think our prayer life would be better? Do you think it would be more rich and full and, and frankly take up more of our time? And that's not from a negative standpoint, that's from a positive standpoint. Could we occupy ourselves more with prayer? You think we might reach a point in our lives where we might, like Jesus, be all night in prayer about situations that we're struggling with? You think there might be times whenever we would would come to God with, with bigger concerns, seeking bigger answers from Him? That's important. Now I want to go back to this friend situation here. Because it's important to understand that Jesus presents these lessons in the context of friendliness to God. Are you a friend of God? If God were to to talk to us today, would he speak to us from a standpoint of, of a friend or an enemy? You know, God sent Jesus to this earth to make mankind his friend. While we were enemies, Paul writes in, in Romans chapter 5, he said, while we were enemies with God, he sent his son. Are you a, a friend of God? And how we know if we're friends of God is whether we've obeyed the gospel or not. Whether we've done what God's commanded to be his friend, to be a, a child of his, or to be a part of his of his son's body. In Acts chapter 2, as, Paul, as Peter excuse me, was preaching to those Jews on the day of Pentecost, and they came to a point where they realized that they were at odds with God. They had crucified his son and put him on a cross. They, they were cut to the heart. And they said, man, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter responded there with these words. These are words that Jesus had told him to say. Repent. That means to turn away from sin. The first step really in becoming a friend of God is recognizing that we are sinners and we need to turn away from that sin in our life. Repent and let every one of you be baptized, that is immersed in water, in the name of Jesus Christ or by the authority of Jesus for the remission of sins. The only way that we can truly become God's friend is to have our sins washed away so that we can be in his presence so that we can then boldly approach his throne of grace and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember what, what Jesus said here? If we ask, he'll give. What a wonderful blessing that is. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, even those listening to podcasts and Facebook lives in 2020, as many as the Lord our God shall call have you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you haven't, we can help you with that. I encourage you to reach out to us on our Facebook page, Bradleyville Church of Christ, and let us know if you'd like to obey the gospel. We're going to sing a final song here, and we're going to have a prayer, but it has been such a blessing for you to be with us this morning. Um, I want to say hello to our to the, to the folks, particularly that are listening overseas. We've had some folks uh, listen to our podcasts in, in places like 
uh, Turkestan and Ireland and other places around the world. And we want to say hello to you and we thank you for, for listening on our podcast. We're going to sing uh, Just As I Am, 924, and we're going to close with a prayer. It's been great to have you with us this morning. I want to encourage you this week. I want to challenge you this week to be diligent in your prayers, to be persistent in them, and to, uh, to think about how you can revolutionize your prayer life. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. 
For more information about our church family, please visit our Bradleyville Church of Christ Facebook page. We hope to see you soon. Till then, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We hope you have a good day.